welcome to the Reliance Community Podcast. Worship with us on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock or 10.45 a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. We are going to talk a, a little bit uh, uh, going on with this journey with Jesus. Ryan started it last week. Uh, we were in Florida with our, our family doing a little spring break family vacation. It's good to be back. I heard he threw me under the bus and said that I got sunburnt. Did, did he say that? Yeah? Well, I'm just going to say this Kansas boy met the Florida sun and I lost, all right? Uh, badly, me and my son Trace, we had that, that gel that you, you're supposed to, like it's supposed to soothe you. We were so burnt as they were applying the gel, we were screaming, all right? And, and, and then we had the chills. It was, it, was, it was awesome and terrible at the same time. Uh, day one, that happened, so we had a great rest of the vacation after that, though. I, we Actually, just funny story, we walked into one of the Florida gift shops there and one of the Floridians there. Uh, she goes, the Florida sun gets you a little bit, didn't it there, Sonny? You know, kind of thing. Like real sarcastic, I was like, no, I was born looking like a tomato, all right? <laughs> and so just a little tension there, but we worked through it, and uh, it's, good, it's good to be back with you guys today. Um, as we walk through this journey with Jesus, Ryan kind of talked a little bit about this idea. He brought a good word, the difficulty. There's a good word, powerful word, but the difficulty of what it looks like to deny self. What does it look like to deny self? And so out of uh, Matthew 16, 24, if you have your Bibles, we're going to spend our time there. Matthew 16, 24, um, there's some things that Jesus talks about in our pursuit of him that we've got to follow suit in. This was the tension of just a little bit. In fact, on, on Palm Sunday, this was the tension of Jesus riding into town. Jesus is riding into town knowing that he would face the cross and knowing what the cross would do while the watching world saw the cross as death and defeat. So everybody else is looking at the cross in Jesus' time of going, well, that's, that's defeat. That's death and defeat. You, you can't recover from that. Jesus is looking at it as now we look at it as going, no, 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 the cross is life. The cross is life, Amen. And so, so this was the tension. Life in victory is how we see the cross now. But in Jesus' time, it was looked at as death and defeat. And so as we walk through Matthew uh, 16, 24, um, if you were offended last week by denying self, you're probably going to be offended this week by the cross. Because the cross can be offensive. Amen? And so just, just a little tidbit for you to help you out if that's the case. If, if you read the word of God and it's offending you, um, chances are it's, it's not God, it's you, all right? In fact, I'm going to say it differently, it's you. <laughs> um, if you're reading the word and it's offensive to you, there's probably conviction happening in your heart, and it's exactly what you need. If you're reading it and it's convicting you, praise the Lord because it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance, amen? And if you're reading the word and it's a really hard truth and you're excited about it, you're probably in a good place, <laughs> You're probably in a good place. And so as, you, as we read through this, um, this might be heavy on your heart. You, you might have some conviction in it, and praise the Lord for that. So Jesus says in verse 24, Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, and Ron talked about this last week, he opens the door to everyone, amen? Like the, the, the door to follow him is open to everyone. He's wide, wide net. Here you go. You want me? It's open. There's nobody left out of this thing. It's an open invitation. And then he says, but if you want to come after me, if anyone come after me, there's a couple things here. First of all, let him deny himself. Let her deny herself. There is a denial there. Now, it's important that he says that. 
Because what he's going to ask us to do next is going to be difficult. So he says, if you're going to come after me, you've got to start with denying yourself. Okay? Let him deny himself and then take up his cross and follow me. Now I just want to, again, give you context for just a moment. We know now the cross as life and victory. But in their day, they're hearing this story of the cross. They're hearing Jesus saying, take up your cross. And all they know about the cross is death and defeat. So Jesus is going, look, if you want to come after me, everything that you know, denying self, everything that you think, throw it out the window because you're going to be picking that thing up. And you're going to come after me. Look what he says. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Amen? Luke will say it a little differently. He'll add a word to it. Same thing, Luke 9, 23. If anyone come after me, let him deny himself. And he says, take up his cross daily. He adds the word daily to it and follow me. And there's a reason why. This is a constant process that we're in. The Lord is constantly working on you day by day by day, maturing you and building you up into the man, the woman that God has called you to be. So you don't come to Jesus at age 10 and then like, I remember giving my life to Jesus at age 10 and now I'm good. Every single day he's bidding you, calling you to take your cross up so that you can continually be sharpened and reminded to mature in him. It's a big deal when Luke says that. And the, the reason, again, he starts with that deny self is because the difficulty is that many of us may find taking up the cross is going to offend our way of living. I want to say that one more time. Um, there, some of us may find that taking up the cross is going to offend our way of living. This is why so much of scripture is bent that Paul preaches on the cross of Christ. He says it over and over, 1 Corinthians 2.2. 2. He's like, when I come, I'm gonna preach Christ and Christ crucified. If I boast, I'm gonna boast about the cross of Christ. Like half of the language that Paul talks about is simply about Christ and Christ crucified. So it's a big deal in the gospel for us. And, and I love this quote that I read. It says, if we accept that we love Jesus but don't like the uncomfortable portions of him, i.e. the cross, we're building on faulty foundations. We're building on faulty foundations. And so had a, a men's group last Thursday in our Bible study, and we got some really good conversation. And one of the things that came up was, you have a lot of people dipping out of Christianity, a lot of people walking away from their faith. Could be because we're kind of presenting something that has no cost to it. And it really, like it was a really good thing. I was pondering that. Like, what does it mean that we're presenting something that has no cost, no investment to it? Because if you're investing in something, it's harder to walk away. Amen, church? And so he asked this questions, and I thought, man, this is really good, knowing that we're getting into this. I thought maybe the issue that we're facing right now is that we have followers that don't know what it takes to follow Jesus. So we're creating followers that don't know what it takes to follow him. And so Ryan touched on this just a little bit um, last week, right before Matthew 16, 24, where Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Right before that, just a few uh, 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 paragraphs back, Jesus is telling his disciples, I'm going to the cross, I'm going to Jerusalem, I'm gonna be arrested and crucified. And if you remember, Peter kind of takes him to the side, come here, Lord, right? And he rebukes him. Did that end well for Peter? <laughs> No, he didn't get a gold star that day. Um, 
So he tells Jesus, no, you're not. You're not going to do that. That's crazy. You're not going to go there. You're not going to get arrested. You're not going to be, you're not going to be crucified. And Jesus rebukes him and says, gaff of Jesus. And there's a reason. Peter was trying to derail the path of Jesus that gives us life. Peter wants to derail the path of Jesus that gives us life. And so here's the thing. Jesus goes resolutely, marches steadily on. Didn't, didn't phase him. It's like, Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're trying to derail the path for me that brings life. And I'm just going to say, I'm fearful, not in like a, oh, I'm scared way, but like a heaviness way, that much of Christianity today, we've tied to the same exact thing. Let me tell you what I mean by that. We've tried to tie a life with Christ without the cross. We, we've tried to tie this life with Christ without the cross. Let me just, I'm, I'm a little soapboxy today on this, all right? I feel a little ornery towards the church today. So I'm just going to share this. You can't sell the cross of Christ. You can't market the cross of Christ. And, and, and here, here's what I mean by that. Um, when I say you can't sell or market the cross of Christ, and I found myself in the same boat, so this is a, a warning against my own self where I've been. But sometimes we try to entice people into Christianity by trying to market it. Our cross weighs less than everybody. That's a little bit differently than what it really is. So, for instance, like, you know, come to Reliance, our cross weighs less than everybody else's, right? Like, that's lame. We don't use that language, right? Or, hey, Bob says, come to Bob's church, and here's the deal. Gift bag. <laughs> lame. And here's the deal. Like I said, we're trying to sell the cross or market the cross of Christ. And what we're really doing is cheapening it. Or come to my church. We'll carry the cross a little bit for you. <laughs> and here's what Jesus says. You want to come follow me? Everybody's like, yeah, yeah, Jesus, I want to follow you. He goes, all right, come and die. <laughs> I don't think he just marketed that thing, Right? Jesus' call was, you want to follow me? Good, come and die. The struggle, just, just a bit feisty towards the church today, the struggle is that we're selling and why the tension is from my, my, we're, we'll sell a church brand or we'll sell a better version of the cross that we'll never do when it's not a better version. We, we ascribe, in other words, we're going to market this thing, and what we're really doing is we ascribe to a building that we attend, a church brand that we attend, or, or something like that, and we're ascribing to that rather than a lifestyle of Christianity. The church becomes our cross and not the life of Jesus on the daily. Amen? Do you hear what I'm saying? So we can walk away from the church. People do it all the time. But all of a sudden, we see that the church becomes our cross and not really the cross of Christ that bids us come and die. So we're trying a brand, we're trying to brand our version of the cross that appeals to people, and at the end of the day, that's not the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ bids you to come and die that you may live. There's a reason that Jesus rides in on Passover because Passover in the Old Testament was this moment where for 400 years of slavery, the people of Israel about to get out of slavery. And the way that God did that is that death was sweeping over Egypt and as long as they had the blood over their doorpost, representation of what Jesus would be for them, the angel of death would sweep on by, pass over them. So for 400 years of slavery, they get set from slavery into freedom. Then you get Jesus. When does he ride in on Palm Sunday? 
on Passover. He's coming on Passover week. And now all of a sudden we see this representation that Jesus is going to, by his sacrifice on the cross, to set us free from south the cross. Jesus, by his sacrifice on the cross, is going to set us free from slavery into freedom. From slavery of selfish ambition into freedom in him. From slavery of self into freedom in his life. The cross is a celebration from death to life. Taking up his cross is how Jesus paved the way. And then he calls us, if we're going to come after him, we've got to take up our cross. So let me just give you that general information again. We wear crosses all the time. I've got a cross necklace on. You guys have, maybe have some, you guys cross necklace on. Some people get tattoos of crosses. We put them on our buildings. We wear t-shirts. We have bumper stickers that have a cross. We display the cross everywhere. But in Jesus' time, that wasn't how they worked. Nobody was wearing the cross around their neck. Nobody was putting, you know, bumper stickers on their carriages, right? In Jesus' time, like, the, you, didn't, you didn't promote the cross because it was death and defeat. So in Jesus' time, the cross stood for something different in his context than it did for us in that time. The cross in Jesus' time meant opposition. People that were opposing you and you. Meaning that if you were carrying your cross, then there was people that were opposing you and you were headed to your execution. So in Jesus' time, if that's what you were sporting, you were getting ready to go to your execution because somebody opposed you. In Jesus' time, the cross, uh, uh, the cross was meant for shame. When you were carrying your cross, most of the time they would strip you down, either barely clothed or naked, and you would be beaten, and then you would carry this cross, battered, bloody, and beaten, and as you were walking, carrying your cross, people would throw things at you and spit on you and jeer you and make fun of you because you were carrying the cross. So you got opposition, you've got shame heaped upon you in Jesus' time of the cross. In Jesus' time, the cross was meant for suffering. It was not designed so that you would die quickly. If they wanted you to die quickly, they'd just behead you, it'd be done, it'd be over with. But the Romans had perfected it to where they knew that if they nailed you to the cross, especially at an angle with your feet, that you would have to hold yourself up in those nails so that you could breathe. Most people died on the cross by suffocation. Watching would be like, that person suffered. did that so that you would suffer, so that everybody around watching would be like, that person's suffering. In Jesus' time, the cross, until you were dead. So all of a sudden, this cross of opposition, this cross of shame, this cross of suffering, this cross of death is being told to his disciples, if anyone come after me, deny yourself and take up that cross. And they're going, we're good with denying ourselves. What do you mean take up the cross? And what we'll see ultimately is that Jesus in that opposition and in that shame and in that suffering and that death will bring us life. This is why we have to have the cross and there's no way around it. It's interesting to me that the uh, average believer has heard these words. Maybe we've repeated these words. I'm probably guilty of repeating these words where we say something to the effect of, you know what, Jesus came to save you from the cross. Did he? That's not what the Bible says. 
We say things like, Jesus came to save you from the cross. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to make it a little bit easier on somebody's heart. Yeah, 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 that's not really what he said. In fact, one of the things that, that sometimes we think was that when Jesus was praying in the garden, and tears and sweat droplets of blood were pouring out because he was just in a moment with the Father, that somehow he was praying that God would spare him from the cross. But that's not what he prayed. Here's what he prayed in Matthew 26, 39. Jesus went a little further, he fell to his face and he prayed, my father, if it is possible, let this, everybody say cup. Let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Now listen, there's a difference. He didn't say let this cross pass from me. Jesus knew what the cross was gonna entail. The cup, we've talked about this before, in the Old Testament was God's wrath poured out on wickedness and injustice. So Jesus knew that what he was about to take wasn't just being nailed to a cross, but the wrath of God on sin and wickedness for all of eternity. And he's going, oh, I know my father, I know his wrath towards sin, and I'm about to bear it all. And so he is in the guard going, Father, if you want to take the cup from me, you can, but not my will, your will be done. Why is that so important? Went to the cross. Why is that so important? Because he didn't call us away from the cross. He took the cup away from us. Jesus took the cup of God's wrath so that he could give us the cross for life. And he cheapened the grace of God by cheapening the cross of Christ. God by cheapening the cross of Christ. In that men's group on that Thursday, we were talking some of these good things, just worn in our hearts a little bit. And so many times we see this highway to the Lord, you know, life is a highway. We see like this highway, Lord, it's an eight-lane highway. Get on this thing and just go. And yet, when you put the cross in the middle of that eight-lane highway, that eight-lane highway goes to a narrow road that looks like a dirt road that's dusty with ruts in it. Amen? And all of a sudden, we see this is the narrow road that he's talking about. It leads to the cross. You can't get around it. You can't exit and get back on. It leads to the cross. And this is why Paul says in Philippians 3, 18 through 19, and we spend so much time on this verse, so much time. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as, everybody say enemies. Enemies of the cross of Christ. And he tells us what those enemies are. Listen, their end is destruction, their God is their belly, their appetite, not just food, but just appetite for things. So I'll fill my life. All the pleasures of the world, I just want to fill my life. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. They glory in their shame. In other words, it doesn't matter if, if you call it sin. I just enjoy it. I enjoy all the pleasures of the world. It's, it may be shameful. It doesn't matter to me. It's all about pleasure. They glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. So Paul's telling us why Peter got rebuked by Jesus. In Matthew 16, 23, why Peter got rebuked, Jesus tells him, for you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You're trying to derail me, Peter, from my destination of the cross that's going to lead to life. You're trying to get me to go around it. That's not my destination. It's to it. For your eyes are set, your mind is set on the things of, of man and not the things of God. 
That's why Jesus will reiterate it in Matthew 10, 38. Whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And all of a sudden, people go, oh, that offends me. He's going to tell you it's not him. It's, it's me. It's you, right? He's telling us the way. He's telling us the way. My sister-in-law, Bree, posted something that she saw. I think it was from Flashpoint somewhere. She saw this. And it just resonated in my heart. This whole week I've been crunching on it. It says, it would be easier to die for your faith than it would be to live and give up the things you love. Read that one more time. It would be easier to die for your faith than it would be to live and give up the things you love. You see, all we want is we want to try to find a way around this thing. This is our ultimate goal. Lord, surely there's a way around this thing. I know what your word says, but I want to try to get around it. So we work half of our Christianity trying to get around this thing. Surely there's a better way. Surely I can still hold on to the appetite of my pleasures and lusts and all these different things. Surely I can do that and still find a way to you. And he goes, no, 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 no. Take up your cross and follow me. So we spend our life trying to find a way around this thing. And he's saying that the only way you're going to find life is through this thing. Because when we carry our cross, what we find is true victory is here. True freedom is here. True surrender is here. I'm telling you, true life, resurrection life is here. But here's what our minds tell us. But if I can just get around it, I'll be in freedom too. Trying to get around the cross is you striving your whole life. Always feeling like you don't measure up. Almost getting there and then falling back down and never feeling like you'll make it. We spend our life trying to get around the cross. Or, for some of us, sometimes we think that we can hide the cross. Can I just tell you, you can't hide the cross. If this thing is behind me, can anybody fit this in their pocket? Right? So here I am, carrying my cross. You can't hide the cross. You can't conceal it behind your back. What's behind your back? Nothing. Well, I see it. It's nothing, really. Right? You can't hide the cross. Sometimes I wonder if people can't see us carrying the cross, is it because we're not carrying it? I don't think that we've taught this well. I don't think that we've taught the cross well. We, we struggle with trying to abandon all these other because we're not clinging to the cross. Look, and if you're struggling with trying to abandon these pursuits and desires, maybe it's because we're not clinging to the cross. Look, in the days of Jesus, if you're carrying your cross, this thing was super, super heavy. Big enough to where a man or a woman of it, you had to hold it with two hands. When you're carrying the cross of Christ, you felt the weight of it. You had to hold it with two hands. It was everything. It wasn't like you felt, there's nothing on me. Like you knew it in the days of Jesus. That's why in the cross, you're going to know it. Context: The cross was a crazy thing. And he's telling his disciples, when you carry your cross, you're going to know it. You're going to know it. And so he tells them, it's, it's shame sometimes. People are not going to always like you. It's going to sometimes be persecution for you. It takes two hands. Why is that so important? Because so my life. But when you're carrying the cross of Christ, it takes two hands. Why is that so important? Because so many times what we're doing is we're trying to kind of carry the cross of Christ, and we've got open hands, and we're grabbing everything around us. And we're wondering, why can't I abandon myself to everything that's trying to steal my affections. It's because we're not carrying the cross of Christ. Or we're so loosely carrying it. It's like, I'm taking everything with me. Look, when you're carrying the cross of Christ that was built to put you, man, I wonder if I have the cross on everything you have. You feel the weight of it. You know it. You don't wake up going, man, I wonder if I have the cross on me today. 
You feel it. You guys hear me? There's something about carrying the cross. It takes all of your attention and it takes all your devotion and it takes everything you have and you're gripped here so that you don't have to hold on to life's worries and life's this and life's that because it's all right here. You can't conceal it. And I think that this is why Paul says in Philippians 7 that he considers all things rubbish, garbage compared to surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ. Because he grabbed hold of everything else and it did nothing for him. The cross is the end of ourselves and the beginning of him. At the cross, we don't have comparisons anymore. At the cross, we don't have envy anymore. At the cross, we don't have trophies. We don't have successes. We don't have a coveting heart. At the cross, we simply just have resurrection life. I don't have to compete with you. I don't need your approval. I don't need a man's applause. I don't need somebody to like me. At the cross, it's evident Jesus is. That when people look at and if I can't hide it from you because you can't hide the cross, that when people look at you, they don't need to say, so you a believer? They see the cross. Amen? They see it radiating from you. They see it inside of your life. You can't go around it. You can't hide it but you can choose it. Can't go around it, you can't hide it, but you can choose it. If anyone come after me, let him deny himself. And he uses the word, take up your cross. To take up is an action. The cross doesn't just happen to you. <laughs> You're not just walking and, oh, it fell on me, right? You, you take up, you actively pick it up and you've got to carry this thing because you're focused on who Jesus is in your life and your pursuit of him and it requires an action from you. It doesn't just happen to you. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus tells Peter a little something in verse 28 because Peter's like, Lord, Lord, we've left it all to follow you and here's what Jesus says. Peter said to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. We say to you, there is no one and followed you. Jesus said in verse 29, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands will not receive, everybody say, for my sake and for the gospel. Look what he says in verse 30, who will not receive, everybody say a hundredfold. Now listen, here's where it gets crazy. Who will not receive a hundredfold, everybody say now. Say now. Now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. And then I love how he slips this in there. With persecution <laughs> and in the age to come and eternal life. Here's what he's saying. When you decide to abandon it all, leave it all and deny self and carry the cross, that you've got the blessings of God on your life. But guess what? Persecution's coming too. But in him, you're more than an overcomer. You're more than a conqueror. In him, you have victory. Amen. In him, you have life to carry you through. So all of a sudden, while everybody else is bemoaning and groaning, oh, life's terrible and it stinks, this happened, this happened, this happened, all of a sudden, you're carrying your cross, your hands don't have to pick up all other stuff, and you're going, yeah, things happen to me too, but I've got Jesus. <laughs> yeah, life is tough. I'm filled with joy, right? So you're struggling. Persecutions are coming against you, but your heart is doing something different than the rest of the world's heart's doing. And they're going, I can see you cross. How do I get one of these? 
And this is why Paul says, I'm gonna boast. Galatians 6, 14. Far be it from me to boast, except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Man, if I'm gonna boast, Paul's like, this is the one thing. You wanna hear me boast? Boast in one thing, the cross of Christ to which I've been crucified to the world and the world crucified to me. I'm dead to the world. The world is dead to me in all terminology of what he's saying. In other words, those affections and those things that want to take me away from my resolute action towards Jesus, they're gone. And everything that I give myself over to is going to be for him. And let me just tell you, when this becomes what we boast in, the cross is not trying to get you to live your best life. The cross is not trying to get you to live your best life. You hear me? The cross is getting you to a place to live Jesus's life inside of you. And I'm telling you, Jesus's agenda is different than our agenda. Let me tell you a little bit about Jesus's agenda. Jesus says that he come to destroy the works of the devil. Guess what you're after? Destroying the works of the devil. Jesus says he come to establish a church that's worshiping him alone. Guess what you're after? Worshiping him alone. Jesus says he wants you to go after the lost and the least of these. Guess what you're after? Going after the lost and the least of these. Jesus wants your eyes set on his return. So while I'm functioning on planet earth, I'm awaiting his return. Taking up the cross of Christ is an invitation to victory in life. Taking up the cross of Christ is more than a private decision. Yes, it's between you and the Lord. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, when you take up your cross, people are going to know it. When Jesus is marching down, got the cross. Yeah, Ron, you can come on up. Jesus is marching down with this cross. He's got a sign around his neck, beaten, battered, and bruised. He's got a sign around his neck, and it says, King of the Jews. This infuriated the religious leaders of the time. Why? Because the religious leaders didn't want it to say king of the Jews. They wanted to say, he thinks he's the king of the Jews. Pilate says, I've written what I've written. And so now here's Jesus. He's got this sign on him for why he's about to be executed. And his execution reads, because he's the king of the Jews. That'll testify, amen. So he's walking. This is his sign. So when a criminal is walking with their cross, they would put why they're being executed. Murderer, rapist. They would put thief. Whatever it is that they did, they'd have to wear their sign so that everybody that was watching them would know this is why they're going to their execution. That's why they would jeer them, throw things at them. That's why they would call them names, spit on them, and do all these things. So Jesus' crime was that he was king of the Jews. So he's walking, and then he gets to the place of Golgotha. He put his cross up and put him on it. And then they take that sign and they nail it to the top of the cross. And now that cross is setting up there with the sign of what you're being executed for so that everybody in the region who comes knows exactly what it is. So Jesus' crime was that he's king of the Jews and he's gonna die. It's all fulfilling the prophecy of scripture. Here's the crazy thing. When we're carrying our cross, when we're carrying our cross, it'll testify to the world what we find is the most ultimate value and treasure in our life. Everybody will see that placard. He's it for me. He's not just a part of my life. He's not just a portion of my life. He is my life. And it will declare two things to everybody watching. One, it'll declare our guiltiness and his worthiness. 
say, what do you mean? When we carry that cross, it will announce that we are guilty of finding the savior of the world who's the treasure of our life that we would give anything for. He's worth it all, amen? So, Jesus says in Matthew 10, told you, if you're offended by deny self, you might be offended by this. Jesus says in Matthew 10, deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father. So we're going to take some time, we're going to pray, Ryan's going to close us out with this song. I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes for a moment, and I want you to look at the journey that you've been on with Jesus. Has this been in your hands? And you'll know, man, sometimes you just prop up against it and rest, hold it. And when you're tired and weary, man, sometimes you just prop up against it and rest because he says that he's got rest in in there for us. When you feel afraid, you've got something. Are you kind of like empty-handed a bit, like you're grabbing hold of others? What's your journey with Jesus? What's your journey with Jesus been like? And then here's my challenge. Just eyes closed and pray for you and just take a minute, Ryan, where he says, will you get back on the journey where he says, if anyone come after me, let them deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Thanks for listening today. If you want to find out how to get involved, go to reliancecommunity.org.